ever said yes to a question that was being asked of you and you weren't even really sure what was waiting for you on the other side of that yes? Well, several years back, I had no idea that on the other side of my yes to the question, will you go mountain biking with me, was waiting several broken bones, a long recovery, and a permanent loss of my sense of adventure, right? And so at 19 years old, my yes to the shocking question, will you marry me, by a guy that I wasn't even dating at the time, changed everything. It changed my future, it changed my name, and every chapter of my story from that point on would be written with that guy in it. And see, for better or for worse, our lives will be defined and our future will be formed by the things that we say yes to. And see, the story of Christmas really began with the answer yes to the question, to, a, to the greatest question that has ever been asked in the history of mankind. And this question was being asked to a teenage girl. And it would be really easy for us in the Christmas season to reduce Mary to a ceramic figurine in our nativity set, or to reduce her to a, a miniature statue on the dashboard of our taxi driver's car, right? But that's not who Mary was. Mary was a real person. She had real parents, she had a real reputation, and she had a real fiance that was counting on her. She was counting on her to be faithful to him until the day they got married. So I want, to, I want you to put yourself in that place of a surprised, scared 15-year-old as I read this passage. And I'm gonna read fast because I only have seven minutes. It says that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could possibly mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son, and now she is in her sixth month. For the word of the God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. <clears throat> See, the question was this. Mary, would you be willing to carry the hope of the world into the world, the hope of the world into a world that so desperately needs him. And see, even though Mary didn't know what was waiting for her on the other side of that yes, she did know that her relationship with Joseph would be threatened. And she knew that her reputation was at stake. But she said, I am the Lord's servant and my answer is yes. My answer is yes. And with that yes, history was changed and destinies to this day are being changed. And what I want you to hear is that the story of the first Christmas was all about a yes. But it began with a yes. But in Christmas 2018, still requires a yes. See, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, you are blessed and highly favored. And church, what I want you to hear is that you will be blessed and highly favored when you say yes to carry the hope of Jesus Christ within you. You will be blessed and highly favored when you carry Christ 
within you, when you allow his presence to overshadow you, when you carry his hope, his peace, and his joy into every situation, and when you carry his light into a lost and dying world. But what I want you to hear is that what you carry will change you. What you carry will change you. See, when Mary carried Jesus within her, it began to change her, right? It became obvious to everyone around her that she was carrying something. As she grew month after month, she became a larger person. And what I want you to hear is that, is that when you carry Jesus within you, it is gonna change the way you look. It's gonna change the places that you go and the things that you do because you realize that you, wherever you go, you are carrying the very presence of God. It's gonna change the words that you say and the words that you don't say because you're gonna wonder, are those words worthy of the one that I am carrying? When you carry Christ, it's gonna make you the bigger person. See, when people say words that, that about you to hurt you, they're not gonna stick on you because you're gonna be able to look beyond the painful words to see the pain of the person's heart. You're gonna to begin to see people the way that Jesus sees them. And see, then you're gonna to begin to understand that when, when you carry, when you carry Jesus within you, it also changes the voices that you listen to. See, it says after the angel left that, that Mary hurried away. She had to get out of Nazareth where there would be people questioning her and doubting her and, and accusing her. And she had to get to a place where her faith was gonna be stirred up. She had to get to a place where there was somebody else that was believing for a miracle, right? And then it says that she made that journey from, from Nazareth to Judea and there are no recorded words that Mary spoke on that journey. She walked in silence, but you know that the voice of fear had to be screaming in her head. What is Joseph gonna say? How do you expect him to believe this story? Your reputation is ruined. What are people gonna say when you make the big announcement, hey, I'm having a baby and God's the daddy, right? No one's gonna believe that. See, Mary didn't know what to do, but she knew where to go. And she went to the home of her cousin Elizabeth and it says this, that she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard the greeting, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. See, whatever fears Mary walked in with, those fears were silenced by Elizabeth's faith-filled words that she spoke over her. See, Mary went from sadness and silence and she began to sing a song. The next several verses are a song that Mary sings over the, the child that she was carrying within her. She began to sing about this Jesus that would bring hope into a lost and dying world and turn the world upside down. Elizabeth's words, her faithful words, gave Mary a reason to sing. And see, we all, we all need people in our lives that are gonna speak the words of faith, that are gonna silence the voice of fear that is trying to keep us from the future that God has for us. And what I want you to know, church, is that this is the place 
where those words are spoken over your life. And I wanna speak words of faith over your life today because I know some of you are facing the darkest situations. And what I wanna speak over you is Isaiah chapter nine. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And some of you today are facing circumstances, financial circumstances and relationship circumstances. You don't even know how you're gonna get out of it. But I want you to know when you carry the wonderful counselor, the mighty God into your situation, he will do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could hope, dream or imagine. Some of you single moms that you're entering into this Christmas season, your heart is broken because you know that that your child doesn't have a dad to celebrate Christmas with. What I want you to hear is that you carry within you the everlasting father. And he is a good, good father that has good things for his children. And part of his inheritance is his family. And some of you are walking through some storms and the prince of peace wants to speak peace into the chaos of your storm. So church, when you say yes, when you say yes to carry Jesus, Emmanuel, God with you into every circumstance, that what's waiting for you on the other side of that yes is his peace and his presence and your yes has the power to change everything. don't. There's a thousand reasons I should go about my day and ignore your whispers, which I wish would go away. Oh. Oh. You're not a voice. You're just a ringing in my ear. And if I heard you, which I don't, and spoken for, I fear. Everyone I've ever loved is here within these walls I'm sorry, secret siren, but I'm blocking out your calls I've had my adventure, I don't need something new I am afraid of what I'm risking if I follow you into the Show 
Did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Did you You have kissed the face of God Oh man, did you know? Mary, did you know? The blind will see The deaf will hear The dead will hear Your baby boy will one day rule the nations. Did you know? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect love? This sleeping child you're holding is the That was unbelievable. Hey, one of my favorite Christmas traditions in our house is setting up our nativity scene every year. And when we bring out all of the boxes of Christmas decorations, it's literally the first thing that I put out. And now that we have kids, it's so fun, right? Because as we set out the nativity scene, I get to tell the Christmas story with every little figure that we put out, right? So I can talk about the the willingness and the courage of Mary, right? Because to be used of God requires both of those things. I can talk about the expectancy and the sacrifice of the wise men, right? And I can use that to tell my four-year-old that Jesus only got three gifts, so you better believe you're not getting more than he did, right? (laughs) I can talk about the awe and wonder of the shepherds, right? And I can definitely talk about Jesus, 
Everybody likes that guy, right? Especially six pound, eight ounce, tiny little infant Jesus. You can definitely talk about him. But what about Joseph? What do you say about him? I'm not even sure which one of these he is. Like every year, it's kind of like a game of hide and seek. You're like, find the guy with no sheep or a gift. That's Joseph, right? <laughs> it's kind of like an extra in the Christmas story. If we're not careful, I think that Joseph can kind of become this forgotten character. He doesn't have a speech. He doesn't sing a song. He just kind of stands there, right? I don't know, let's look at Matthew chapter one today. Here's what it says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of God, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is the verse we're gonna focus on today. It says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to his son and he called his name Jesus. Now there's a lot of different things in that passage of scripture that we could talk about together today, but I want you to notice a few things from that last verse. It says, as Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Joseph, in this passage of scripture, is immediately obedient to what God asks him to do, right? At least in this text, he doesn't argue, he doesn't question, he doesn't complain, he just obeys God, right? He just obeys God. And I wanna just tell you today, do you know that's all God is looking for from you? In this passage of scripture, the wise men, you know, we learn later, bring their gifts, but Joseph's offering is obedience. And that's all that God is looking for from you today. He just wants your obedience. Why? Because it means he has your heart. Interestingly, Joseph doesn't say a word in scripture, not a single one. We have no recorded words of Joseph in the Bible. He doesn't get a speech, he doesn't get a song. All we have from Joseph is action. That reminds me that the actions of my heart speak louder than the words of my mouth, right? Because at great cost to himself, Joseph obeys the Lord. At great cost to himself, he takes Mary as his wife, despite the criticism that he is sure to face, despite the shame and the ridicule that they will endure. He takes Mary as his wife. Why? Because Joseph knows, listen to me today, that personal obedience is more important than public opinion. And I just wanna remind you today that if you have a word from God, you act. If you have a word from God, you move despite what it will cost you, despite the criticism you may face, despite the shame or ridicule you may endure. If you have a word from God, you move. Why? Because personal obedience is more important than public opinion. This week I noticed something in this text that I've not really read before. I noticed that the Bible says that Joseph did not know Mary in the way that married people know each other 
if you know what I mean, until after Joseph was born. Now, that's a really interesting detail in this text because that's not something that the angel asked Joseph to do. That wasn't a part of the instruction that Joseph received from the Lord. That was something that Joseph took upon himself. And I think that's because Joseph wanted to make sure that God got all of the credit, all of the honor, all of the glory in this situation. Joseph didn't wanna give anybody room to say, oh, this was an act of man. No, he wanted everyone to know that this was a move of God. Can I just tell you today that God wants to move in your life in such a way that only he can get the credit, only he can get the glory? So you might be facing a trial of some kind, you might be facing a situation or circumstance, and you might be tempted to act in some way. You might be tempted to do something or try to fix something. But can I tell you, you can take the posture of Joseph and go, I don't want anybody to think this is about me, but this is a powerful move of God. And so maybe, Maybe you just need to wait if you wanna see the miraculous move of God in your life. The last six words in this text are unbelievably important. They are so significant. Don't miss it today. The last six words of this text read, and he called his name Jesus. And he called his name Jesus. Now remember, that Joseph in verse 17 is personally commanded to name the child Jesus. Why? Because when he does, at that moment, in naming the child, Joseph claims him as his very own son. It is in that moment that Joseph becomes the legal father of the child, and his whole lineage is transferred to Jesus. Now, the gospel writers are really intentional to let us know that Joseph is from the line of David. And so when he claims Jesus as his own, this is so significant because maybe, Maybe without that final act of obedience of Joseph in the Christmas story, maybe all the prophecy isn't fulfilled. Maybe he's not the Messiah if Joseph doesn't claim him as his own. See, this matters because you and I have to claim Christ as our own, right? If we wanna be a part of the story of Christmas, we have to claim Christ as our own because without this final act of obedience, Joseph is a, a footnote in this story at best. He's only a part of the Christmas story because he claims Christ's as his own. And so what about you? Will, be, will you be an extra in the Christmas story this year? Will you become another forgotten character? Or will you be like Joseph? Will you be obedient to God no matter what the cost? Will you live your life in such a way that only God can get the credit, only God can get the glory? Will you claim Christ as your own? Will you be a part of helping the world to know Emmanuel, God with us? Because he didn't come just to be God with us, but when you claim Christ as your own, he, claim, he came to be God with you. Heaven's riches for a stable and a manger.
Hard to follow Pastor Julie and Pastor Ryan, right? The courage of Mary, the obedience of Joseph. So we're going to talk about the wise men. You've heard songs about them, right? Wise men say only fools. No, that's a different. That's a different song. That's a, and I can't sing either. That's a different. Can't sing. Clearly, I can't. Or maybe we've heard the song, uh, We Three Kings of Orient Are, right? I mean, songs have uh, informed our perspective of this night. I've got bad news for you. 
If your nativity scene includes three wise men with gifts, it is unbiblical. (laughs) Sir, don't cry. It's going to be okay. I'm going to help you out here. They come on the scene. They just come on the scene much later. I get to talk about the wise men today, and we're not going to marvel at the wisdom of the wise men. We're actually going to talk about how the wise men reveal the ways of God, the kingdom of God. See, there's something specific that happens on the night in which Jesus is born. It's not just the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, but the word becoming flesh dwelling among us, bringing a brand new kingdom, a new way to live. Hope is born. And on this time, we see all of these events take place. And in Matthew's gospel, it records the visitation of these wise men, scripture says. So who are they? And why are they included in the story? I think they're included in the story to reveal something about the nature and the character of God's kingdom. These men were wise, educated, learned men. I mean, look at the way this wise man is dressed. This one is dressed as a king. He stands in complete opposite nature of the shepherds, barely clothed, stinky, and smelly. These wise men, Without a doubt, a wardrobe accompanied them on their travel to get to Jesus. Old Spice covered their beards. (laughs) The other thing about these wise men is when they got to Jesus, they weren't like him in many ways. See, these men, they weren't Jewish men. Mary and Joseph and the shepherds are, are Jewish people, but But these men, these Gentiles, these worshipers of the stars, these scientists and mathematicians, these foretellers, these were outsiders, foreigners, off and afar. These are who these men were. And they were studying the sky and the stars and they were expectant of a sign. And I love this about the way of God, that God would provide for them not an angelic visitation, not a messenger, But God would provide a star, something that they would have seen because these were men who studied the stars and all of a sudden the star rose that was completely different for them. God provided a sign and spoke to them where they were. What the wise men reveal about the kingdom of God is that God meets us where we are and God speaks to us in ways that we will listen But a sign wasn't enough for the wise men. The sign wasn't enough. They, they had to get there. In Matthew chapter 2, it tells us that it was after the birth of Jesus that the wise men made their way to Jesus. Why did it take them so long to get there? Well, these men were 900 plus miles away when the star rose. And they began to make their journey towards this place where the star had risen to meet this newborn king of the Jews. This was the days before Delta was offering direct service from the Orient to Tel Aviv. This journey was going to take quite some time. Scriptures doesn't mention three men. In fact, it only mentions three gifts. We'll talk about those in just a minute. More than likely, this was a caravan of men, 50 to 100 individuals going on this journey, this trek of 900 miles And with the expensive gifts that they had, without a doubt, they had guards to protect them. They had hired servants to care for them. They had companions with them on this journey. And while they missed the birth of Jesus, 
They weren't going to miss an opportunity to worship him and to be a part of this new movement. See, what the wise men tell us about the kingdom of God is that it's never too late to experience his presence. It's never too late to get to him. They had to persevere. They had to journey. They had to make their way to him. And what this means for us today is that you may feel like you've missed your moment, that you've missed the opportunity, that you missed your sign. Let me be a sign today for you, that all are welcome in the story of Jesus and that it's never too late to enter his presence and worship him. This is what the wise men tell us about the kingdom of God. Verse 11 in chapter two says, and going into the house, they saw the child. He wasn't an infant. He wasn't a baby with his mother. And they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We see that these wise men worshiped. And their worship was twofold. They had enough money. They could have had presents delivered. Amazon Prime would have been there in two days. <laughs> two days, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus, send, gift receipt, anonymous wise men. <laughs> it wasn't going to be enough for them. They wanted to be present. And in order for us to keep Christ in Christmas and not to enter into a Christless Christmas, we've got to be present where he is and where he's moving. <laughs> These wise men... They make this journey and they get there and they worship Jesus. Think about these dignified men. I mean, look at their outfits. They are completely different in this story. And what scriptures tell us is that they bow down. Wise, dignified, educated, learned men get on their knees in the presence of a king and they worship him and they present their gifts to him. Worship is not about what we say. Worship is about what we do. And they bring these gifts of, of, of significant value, but also symbolic virtue. They bring gold, recognizing that Jesus was born a king. He was not going to become a king. He was a king worthy of gold, this expensive metal. They present to him frankincense, this incense that was costly and used in the temple by the high priests that would enter in and offer these sacrifices to God. And what the wise men were telling us is that Jesus was ultimately our high priest, that he would be our mediator between humanity and God. And they bring myrrh, myrrh, this costly spice that was used at the time of burial for embalming the body, this prophetic gift that these wise men would bring to Jesus. And it's not the greatness of their gifts. It is the greatness of God that they present these gifts before Jesus. See, the wise men, they brought something of value, but Jesus, he brought everything of value. Himself, Emmanuel, God with us. And so what the wise men teach us about the kingdom of God and the way of God and how we need to enter into this Christmas season, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive.
The heart longs for a little bit of hope. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. The child prays for peace on earth, and she's calling out from a sea of hurt. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel.
look at the shepherds for our last section of the story today because they were the first ones that even heard that Christmas had happened. Let me read the passage in Luke chapter two, verse eight. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were freaking out, terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Have you ever thought about it? Every time angels show up in the Bible, people are always freaking out. They're like, what? First words out of angels' mouths are, do not be afraid. Fear not, right? It's not because they sneak up on people and go, boo, right? There's not... I think the reason is because we see them as something they are not. They are not little fat cherubs sitting on clouds playing harps. Uh, we have a war- These guys are mighty warriors. When we read the Bible, we see that they are tough dudes fighting spiritual battles, destroying demonic powers in the, in the heavenlies. That's what they're doing, man. See, the problem is we got movies that we've seen like Angels in the Outfield, and we think angels are goofy. Or TV shows like Touched by an Angel, and we think angels must speak with an English accent. <laughs> or Charlie's Angels, and we think, that's what I thought in eighth grade. I was hoping that that's what angels look like. <laughs> Farrah Fawcett, that's it. Just keeping it real. But that's, um, <laughs> moving on. So the angels show up to, they show up to the least likely group of people anywhere near Bethlehem that day. These were a bunch of low class, outcasts, uneducated uh, group. They, they were basically, when it says living out in the fields, it's a nice way of saying these guys were homeless. They had no place to call home. And they were considered religious rejects because they could not go to the temple to offer sacrifices and be a part of the, the festivals. They couldn't participate in that. They couldn't go because they were watching the sheep. They couldn't go, so God came to them right where they were, just as they were. They didn't get themselves cleaned up before that night. God just showed up right where they were because that's the type of God we serve. He's a God who comes to you right where you are and says, I got something that you don't even see coming. Man, I got so much more for you. I don't care what other people say about you. I don't even care what you say about you. I have chosen you. I have called you. I've got a purpose on your life. That's what God says to you today. In fact, do you know that in the Bible, in this account of the story, these were the only guys that got a birth announcement, right? They were the only ones. The, 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 the priest in the temple didn't get it. The rabbis who knew the Bible, the Old Testament, they didn't get it. The leaders didn't get it. Just a group of stinky shepherds got invited. A bunch of guys that didn't count. Let me tell you. Don't count yourself out when God counts you in. Don't count yourself out because of something you did or something that was done to you or something mistake you made and you go, well, I'm out. God could never use me. God could never want me around. No, 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 no. Right here, I pray with so many people that, that think they've missed out on God's best for their life because of something that they've done or something that they didn't do. And they think that they've missed out on the opportunity to find God's best, that somehow their decisions have derailed God's destiny for their life. I'm here to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. Your current situation does not need to determine your future destination. You just gotta get up and get to Jesus, right? Do what he tells you to do. See, when the angels showed up, the angels told them, listen, you gotta get from where you are and you gotta, you gotta get to Jesus. Stop doing what you're doing and get to Jesus right now. That's a word for somebody. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop focusing on what you're focusing on and get to Jesus right now because he will change everything. 
Have you ever felt like your life is just kind of stuck in repeat? Like we're at Christmas and this feels like Christmas 2016 all over again and 2017 all over again. It just feels like I'm on repeat. Like, like I can't get out of where I, the shepherds can relate to that because day and night, all they did every day after day after day after day, they just watched sheep <laughs> chew grass day after day. I mean, I mean, come on, that's pretty boring right there. They were stuck. They couldn't get out of that pattern. They, they had no connections. They had no opportunities. And as I was preparing this message for my little part for this weekend, I felt the Lord just tell me, tell somebody, Todd, who feels like their life is stuck, that I see where they are. And if they'll just get up from where they are and they move towards me, I will get them where they need to go. But you gotta move from where you are. You gotta get up from where you've been because these shepherds were not gonna find Jesus out in the field. They had to get up and get to Bethlehem. And you may, you're not gonna find the fulfillment of Christ in what you're caught up in right now. But if you get out of what you're caught up in and you'll get to Jesus, because every one of us can get to him, if you get to Jesus, you're gonna find the fulfillment and the joy and the hope and the peace and the purpose that he wants to give you to fill your life. And the shepherd's journey, it all started from where they were to where Jesus was, it started with one step. Just one step. Do you know that one step in the right direction can change everything? One step towards Jesus can change everything. And they had a choice to make that night. They had a choice to make. When they heard this word, were they gonna stay where they were or were they gonna get up and go? We're gonna stay with what they're comfortable in and what they know or step out in faith and step out in obedience to what they were told. And that one step changed everything. They didn't doubt it. We don't read about them debating it. They didn't ignore it and go, well, this probably isn't that important. I probably don't need to do this. They get up and go and they encounter a living, they encounter Emmanuel, God with them. So I wonder what step you need to take today. What word has God already spoken over your life? He's already given you some instruction. The spirit of God, he'll speak to us through the word of God because this is the word of God that is speaking to us. And so if you're not hearing, the, hearing God speak to you, open the word, all right? He'll speak to you through prayer. He'll confirm what he wants you to do, which will always line up with the word of God through his spirit who wants to guide us. He's our counselor. So what word has he already been impressing upon your heart that what you need to do, like these shepherds, you just need to get up from where you are and you need to move in the direction of that word. Maybe that word to you this Christmas season has been a word about restoring relationships. Maybe there's a relationship in your family or in your life that has been broken off and a lot of misunderstanding. And the word of the Lord to you is to forgive, to forgive, to let it go. And I promise you that when you forgive the way you've been forgiven, that's where Emmanuel shows up. God with you shows up in that. Maybe God has been putting upon your heart uh, some crazy, generous act, something that you're gonna do. He's been prompting you to give away something. And you're like, I can't give that away. But I promise you, we serve a generous God. And when you have that nature and you step out in faith and obey and whatever he's telling you to do, God with us shows up in that. Maybe he's been speaking to your heart and he's been telling you to, uh, to open up your family and open up your, 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 your life to a, to a child that doesn't have a family and doesn't have a life. And he's been speaking to you about fostering or adopting. And when you do that, when you open up, man, that's the spirit of God. God, we have been adopted as his children. God shows up in that because he is love. When you, maybe God has been speaking to you about getting free from something. 
Maybe there's some addiction or some problem that has been holding you back and you know you want to be free. And the word of the Lord to you is tell somebody because you need to open up. And when you open up and you tell somebody and say, I need to get some godly accountability in my life, God steps in with his power and his presence to bring freedom and life to you. What is that word that God has been speaking to you? If you'll take one step of faith towards it today, I promise you, like these shepherds, you will encounter an everlasting father, the prince of peace. You will encounter Emmanuel, God, with you. I want us to pray today as we wrap up this message. And I think this has been a good message because those of you with ADD, this has been perfect for you. (laughs) Seven minutes, I can focus, right? But let me ask you this. What did did God speak to you today? What, what, what What in the story of Mary... Did God tell you you need to say yes to? Maybe there's something that you've been saying no to or you've just been haven't fully surrendered to God in today. Let me tell you that yes will change everything. What about Joseph? His obedience. He didn't understand completely before he obeyed immediately. He made it personal. He took Jesus as his own. Maybe for you, that's what you need to do. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe like the wise men. You've been searching for other things to try to fulfill and you're not gonna find what you need until you get to the feet of Jesus. Or maybe there's been one word that's been spoken over you and that you need to move in a step of faith towards that word today. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature.
to be like him and so And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, most people are familiar with the Christmas story. These verses from the Gospel of Luke have been quoted, written about, even put to music. Even Linus from the Charlie Brown Christmas Story reads this passage to Snoopy and to Charlie Brown. But as familiar as this passage may be, and as well known as the Christmas story is, it's easy to overlook the significance of what it means for each one of us on this very day. I'm here in what is known as the shepherd's fields, just outside the town of, of Bethlehem. And it was here on a night over 2,000 years ago that the, the greatest announcement ever was made. It was the event that would change everything. These shepherds were minding their own business, taking care of their flocks at night when the angel of the Lord shows up and probably scares these poor guys half to death. I mean, there's a reason that the angel's first words to them are, don't be afraid. But did you ever wonder why God decided to announce the birth of his son to a bunch of random shepherds on a hillside just outside of Bethlehem? 
There's only one announcement of Christ's birth recorded in the scriptures. Only one invitation from God to anyone to come and visit Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus. And that one invitation goes to a bunch of uneducated, low-class, social and religious outcasts. See, let me tell you a little bit about shepherds. They were the last people that you'd expect God to take notice of. First of all, they were considered by most people as religious outcasts. According to Jewish law, these men were unclean. Their line of work prevented them from participating in the feasts and in the holy days that made up the Jewish religious calendar. Why? Because somebody had to watch the sheep. When everybody else was making their, their trip to Jerusalem to make the sacrifices to the, at the temple or to participate in one of the annual feasts, they were here in these fields watching their sheep. They couldn't go worship God, so God came to them. But shepherds were also considered social outcasts as well. Since they were constantly on the move to find new pasture for their flocks, they were looked on with suspicion. They were often accused of, of being thieves. If something came up missing, everyone guessed it must have been those shepherds that took it. They were not even permitted to give testimony in legal proceedings because their word was considered untrustworthy. Talk about being looked down upon by everybody, everybody except God. So why did God send the angels here to these shepherds? You'd expect an event like the, the birth of the Son of God to be announced to the most important people in the nation, uh, the political leaders, the kings, the governors, the rulers. They might be invited to come pay honor to this newborn king, or, or maybe to the religious leaders, the priests or the rabbis at the temple. Surely they would be invited to the birth of Messiah, but none of them got the word. None of them were invited. Only these few poor shepherds received the invitation. So why? Why did God do it this way? Why did he send his angels here to announce the birth of Christ to these shepherds, to invite them and them only to come and see the child? I don't believe it was a coincidence. I believe God wanted to show us something very important about his nature, something very significant about his heart. See, God has a heart for everyone. No matter what others may say or think about them, God loves them. God loves everyone. God's love does not discriminate on the basis of class or upbringing or what part of town you live in. God does not show favoritism to, to one group of people over another group of people. His love is available for everyone on the same basis through faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. In fact, the first truth that I see from this story is that everyone is important to God, no matter who they are or what they've done. Let me make that personal. You are important to God. Maybe you can relate to these shepherds. Maybe you felt distance from God. Maybe your religious observances are kind of like the shepherds. You know, it's, it's been a while, if you know what I mean. Well, let me tell you, it's okay. God really isn't into religion anyway. He's all about a relationship, a relationship that he wants to have with you. And just like God came close to those shepherds that first night here in Bethlehem, he comes close to you today to tell you that he loves you. And his love for you is not based on what you have or haven't done. It's based on who you are. It's based on a relationship that he wants to have with you. You are important to God. The second truth I see in this story is Jesus is good news for everyone who believes. 
The angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now notice the angel starts off by saying, don't be afraid. Don't be filled with worry or fear. And maybe you've been dealing with some fear this Christmas season. Fear about some situation in your health or about your job. Maybe you're facing a problem in your family or some relationship that is overwhelming you. I believe God wants to say to you this Christmas, do not be afraid because the Savior has come. His name is Jesus. He is our hope. He is your hope. And the angel says, I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This, this good news isn't just for a few people, for those people who have it all together or have made all the right decisions in life, which by the way, there are none of those out there. This joy is for anyone who will respond. Now don't miss that. When, when God came to the shepherds that night, He invited them to come and see. It was an invitation, but they had to make a choice. How would they respond to this invitation? Several years ago, back around 2012, 2013, my friend called me up and invited me to go with him to the Miami Heat game. And man, I wanted to go. The Heat were having a great season and it was obvious that they would be going to the playoffs that year. But for some reason, I couldn't get away that night. So I told my friend, I'm sorry, thanks for the invitation. I need a pass. He said he understood and said he was gonna ask one of the other pastors if they wanted to go. Well, later that night, I got home in time to, to catch the second half of the game. It was the third quarter, the Heat were up by just a few points, it was intense. And I was sitting there watching the game and all of a sudden on the TV, I saw my friend and this other pastor from our church and they were sitting courtside on the floor in those cool black padded chairs reserved for like movie stars and celebrities. They were right next to the player's bench. I was like, no way, I can't believe those were the seats. I can't believe I missed this invitation. I mean, right there, the players, when they would go to take the ball out, uh, my friend would have to move his feet back so that the players wouldn't step on his, his feet. And that would have been me right there. I couldn't believe it. I was missing it. I missed out. I can't believe I turned down that invitation. Well, just let me say the next time my friend called and asked if I wanted to go with him to the Miami Heat game, the answer was a very quick, yes. I don't need to process it. I don't need to pray about it. I just need to say yes, because I don't want to miss out. Well, the shepherds in this field that night, they didn't want to miss out either on what the angels were inviting them to experience. A child had been born and not just any child, God's son to bring God's love and hope into the world. Now, they could have questioned what they had heard. They, they could have doubted it. Do you really think this has happened? Sounds too good to be true. And why would they even let us near a baby anyway? We're just shepherds. Yeah, they could have doubted it or they could have debated it. I don't know if this Jesus Messiah thing is for real. A virgin giving birth, who's ever heard of that before? Sure, they could have sat down right here in the middle of this field and doubted it and debated it. And as a result, they would have missed it. And some of you, you've been doubting, you've been questioning Jesus. You've been debating if this, this Jesus thing is for real. Can he really make a difference in a person's life? Can he really make a difference in my life? And as a result, you've been missing out on the hope and the joy and the difference that he wants to make in your life. Well, the shepherds, they didn't doubt it. They didn't debate it. They just responded with a, let us go and see this thing that has come to pass. Let's go check it out. And when they did, they found the baby in a manger with his mother and father, exactly as the angels had told them. And it says they went away praising God 
and telling everyone about what they had experienced. See, the shepherds said yes to the invitation. They didn't miss out. So what about you? How will you respond? God didn't send you an angel today, but he did send me all the way to Bethlehem to tell you that he loves you. And he's offering you the same invitation he extended to those shepherds. Come and see. Come and see this Jesus who brings good news of great joy for all the people, for you and your life. See, the invitations the angels gave to the shepherds was personal. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. It's interesting and significant to note that scholars believe that due to the proximity of these fields to the town of Jerusalem, that the sheep that were being raised here were being raised and prepared for sacrifice in the temple, which meant that the shepherds had to take great caution and care to make sure that these lambs were born without blemish or without defect, because only the spotless lambs could be brought to sacrifice. So as a result, it was customary for the shepherds to take the baby lambs right after they were born away from their mothers, wrap them in cloth or swaddle them and put them in a confined space like a cave until they settled down a bit just to make sure that they didn't hurt themselves or they weren't hurt by some of the other sheep. And then later they would join them with their mothers, all to ensure that the lambs were pure and spotless without blemish, ready for sacrifice. Well, the Bible teaches us that Jesus was the Lamb of God, born without blemish or sin to take away the sins of the world, to take away our sin. He grew up and lived a sinless life. He suffered and was crucified on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He was the final sacrifice required, the spotless Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. And when you read the Bible, we see that when sin entered the world, it broke off a relationship between God and man. And throughout history, man did everything that he could to try to work his way back to God, trying to make up for the sin problem, but but nothing man could do could pay for sin. So God did what only he could do. He sent his only son, Jesus, to come and to pay the penalty of our sin, to die on the cross for the sins of the world, to bring us back into right relationship with God. And the Bible says there is nothing that you or I could ever do to make things right with God. We, we can never be good enough. We can never be nice enough. We cannot do enough good deeds. It is only through what Jesus did on the cross that we can come to God. And all that we have to do is what those shepherds did that first Christmas night, personally respond by saying yes to God. Respond yes to his invitation to come and see and experience the hope and the joy and the life that Jesus has waiting for you this Christmas. I wanna pray with you right now where you are and give you that opportunity, the opportunity to make things right between you and God. You know, there's no better time than, than this time of the year to get things right with God. This is what Christmas is really all about. It's not about the trees and the gifts that you've been buying. It's about the gift that God wants to give to you the gift of his love, the gift of his grace, and a fresh start, a new beginning. Don't you want that today? Would you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Let's pray. Father God, on this Christmas, we celebrate again the gift that you have given us in Jesus. And in Jesus, we find life and we find joy and we find a fresh beginning and a new start. We find eternal life. And I pray that all of us would respond as these shepherds did and say yes to the invitation. 
as we continue to pray with every head bowed, if you're here today and you would say, Todd, I need to say yes to the Lord today. I need to respond to his invitation. I'm gonna pray a prayer and right where you're seated, you can pray this prayer with me and you can open up your life to Jesus and everything that he wants to pour in your life. See, it's only through a relationship with him that you find forgiveness for your past, hope for today and a brand new future for tomorrow. And if you would say, Todd, include me in this prayer, then right where you're seated, would you just extend a hand right where you are? Yeah, hold it up high. Let's pray this prayer together. All of us are gonna pray it together, but those of you with your hands up, this is your prayer. So just say this after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am. Today, I invite you into my life to be Lord over my life. I respond yes to everything you have for me. Forgive me of my sin and make me a new person from the inside out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.